0: Good morning, and welcome to Convocation. Uh, I'll start with a bit of an announcement. Tonight at Newcomer 17, at 7 o'clock, we as a campus are lucky enough to have a woman from Uganda speaking about the effects of climate change and what they have actually meant on the ground in Uganda today. Uh, It's really important that we make these personal connections so we can put a face and a story to a mostly impersonal problem. Again, that's tonight at 7 o'clock at Newcomer 17. And now I have the uh, now to help us understand the true cost of what it takes to run this college. I have the pleasure to introduce Glenn Gilbert. For many years, Glenn has served as the utilities manager for Goshen College, scouring the underbelly of this university so to find the inefficiencies in our energy usage. In doing so, he has not only saved the college lots of money, but has also helped reduce the, our, our carbon footprint. So it was a natural transition a year and a half ago when the title of sustainability coordinator was added to his job description. So when it comes to Goshen College reducing our dependence on fossil fuels, I don't think it's an overstatement to say that Glenn Gilbert has single-handedly done the most to help us towards that goal. And I would reckon that most of you don't actually know who he is, which is a, a bad thing. So we're gonna fix that tonight. So help me in in welcoming Glenn Gilbert.
1: This is coal, dirty black coal. We don't really know much about how it came to be, but it's understood that this is compressed uh, residue from vegetation that grew several hundred million years ago. It probably fell into swamps or lakes, and because it got covered up with water, it didn't get a chance to fully decompose, and so the carbon is still there. Millions of years went by, lots of things happened on this earth, and that vegetation got compressed into what we now know as today as coal. This vegetation was recently, very recently, actually only 250 years ago, about um, uncovered in this country. And in 1748, there were 50, 50 tons of this stuff was mined and burned. During the next a uh, couple centuries, this built our country. It powered our trains, our factories, it heated our buildings, it, it uh, allowed us to make steel, it lit our gas lamps in the, in the 19th century. And when Goshen College opened up its campus on this location back in 1904, we heated our buildings exclusively by burning coal. The first coal boiler was located in the basement of the administration building. In fact, Wayburn groff who was here this morning, that was his student job back in the 40s. He had a great job down in the basement of the the ad building stoking the boiler. It was a nice, quiet place, warm, and he could read there. He could tell stories about how we heated with coal for the first three-quarters of our history as a campus. It wasn't until about 1990 that we finally retired the coal boiler and tore down the smokestack and have been burning natural gas pretty much for then. So, we no longer use coal at Goshen College. Good riddance, this stuff is filthy. It's cumbersome to handle, it stinks, it pollutes our air. Well, unfortunately, the story really isn't over, not by a long shot. Coal still plays a huge role in our energy needs. Rather than fading out our use of coal, we now extract in this country over a billion tons of coal each year. In this country, coal supplies half of our electricity, and in the state of Indiana, 96% of our electricity comes from coal. Somewhere at this very minute, about 50 pounds of coal, about the amount you see there on the floor, is being burnt just to supply the lights that we're using in this convocation. So, if you would humor me for the next half hour, I'd like to spare some coal. Uh, would you please turn down the lights? I think you can hear me just fine without lights. Now, when this building was built back in 1959, the architect that designed it, Orris Esch, he loved daylight, he loved windows. And so he built windows all the way around the circle of this. So let's have a little bit of 2009 daylight and sunlight, and if you would uh, raise those blinds there, okay. This will help. Good compromise. Let's see if after the end of a half an hour we can live with this. And okay, there. Maybe that'll help keep us warm too. I've called my presentation this morning, Lighting Our Space with Ancient Sunlight, because that's what we do. Before we get started, I think I need to explain a little bit of technical stuff, kind of an electrical 101 course. Let's talk about terms we throw around, and let's see if we can get them straight in our minds so that we know what it is that we're talking about. First, there's electrical power. Power is measured in watts, or in the case of the way we use energy we have to talk about it in terms of kilowatts or thousands of watts. Energy on the other hand is measured in kilowatt hours. Power is watts, energy is kilowatt hours. So one kilowatt hour of energy equals a thousand watts of power for one hour. So some examples, one kilowatt hour will provide enough energy to light a 250 watt light bulb for four hours. Each of these light bulbs you see in the ceiling Those are 250 watt light bulbs, one kilowatt, four hours. Now the the lights underneath the balcony, they're off now too, but they're 150 watt bulbs. So one of those light bulbs could be lit for six hours and 40 minutes with one kilowatt hour. And these four big lights you see that are pointing on the stage, those are thousand watt bulbs. So one kilowatt hour will keep one of those lit for an hour, four kilowatt hours, to light all four of them for an hour. You get the idea. Okay, so if you add up all the lights in this space, it comes out to 32,100 watts, which means that energy for lighting this room for an hour is 32.1 kilowatt hours. Okay, time for a disclaimer. If you look on the door of my office, you would see this cartoon. Dilbert is making a presentation. He says, I didn't have any accurate numbers, so I just made this one up. Studies have shown that accurate numbers aren't any more useful than the ones you make up. Well, how many studies show that? 87. Okay, if Dilbert can do it, Gilbert can do it. And so that's uh, my disclaimer for the morning. Rather than say this is absolutely the true number, let's, um, let's, let's be a little bit liberal with our, our thinking. Okay, where was I at? Power and energy, Power 32,000 watts. Energy 32.1 kilowatt hours. Okay. Now we said 96% of our energy, our electricity, is made from coal. So I'm going to say, with a fair amount of confidence, that one pound of coal will make one kilowatt hour. One pound of this stuff makes a kilowatt hour. Now this is where maybe, maybe depending on the coal, it might be 0.8 pounds. It might be one and a half pounds. Depending on the type of coal, depending on what the efficiency of the uh, power plant, depending on how far that power plant is from us, who knows? There's lots of variables. But I think it's fairly safe to claim that one pound of coal will make one kilowatt of electricity. Fifty pounds of coal would make 50 kilowatts of electricity. It takes 32 kilowatt hour, kilowatts to light this place for an hour. but you know, the lights were on here for half an hour, 45 minutes before, they'll be on here for half an hour, 45 minutes afterwards, who knows exactly how long. I'm going to say that this pile of coal is what it's necessary to light this place up for just one hour. Okay, so what does Goshen College use on an average day? If we use that much coal just in this space, how much do we use in an average day? Well, it turns out that we use about 15,000 kilowatts of electricity every day. That equates to about $1,100 we spend on electricity every day in this, yeah, at Goshen College. Or, if uh, we use our Gilbert factor, that means we're consuming about seven and a half tons of coal to make electricity at Goshen College. So, let's admit it: we use coal on our on our campus. We still use it. In fact. In fact, the truth is, Goshen College does not consume electricity. We just don't consume electricity. Electricity is simply a conduit, a means of transporting the truth, transporting that coal from someplace else to us. So in effect, we do not consume electricity. We consume coal and lots of it. Here's a couple coal-burning devices you might see running around our campus. That one burns coal. That one has batteries in the bottom. It burns coal. Those torches you see out in the yard at night, those are all coal burning. Swimming pool. Swimming pool has pumps that circulate the water, it has a dehumidifier that takes the moisture out of the air, all coal burning devices. And those lights you see, those are coal burning. Go up and down in an elevator, burn coal. Take a drink out of the drinking fountain, It's it's refrigerated, that's a coal-burning refrigerator, and the water doesn't just get there by magic. There's electricity that pumps the water out of the ground from the city, pushes it through our system, down the drain, and cleans it up at the other end. Those are all coal-burning activities. Well, those kind of look like coal-burning activities. Those are kilns in the visual arts building. Yeah, they'd burn a lot of coal. But so do the the potter's wheels that make the the pots. Coal-burning. Yep, there's a coal burner if you ever saw one. Who would have thought? All that technology, those are all coal burners. So are those. I see some of you Yoder First guys out there. Okay, let's admit it. Let's just get it out on the table. We're hooked on coal. We all have coal burning as part of our life. And the irony of it is we don't even know it. This is, this is not part of our, our thinking. We are hooked on nasty old, filthy old coal. Well, there's alternative forms of energy that we're all kind of interested in considering. Nuclear power would be one. We currently make about 300 gigawatts of electricity. We have about the potential to make 300 gigawatts of electricity through coal in this country. If we were going to replace that with something else, we would need 300 of those monstrous nuclear power plants. Uh, we can't even build one. We haven't built one in 30 years. We're afraid to for some good reasons and also because we don't want one in our backyard. But that's how many it would take to replace coal in this country if we went nuclear. Solar seems like a much better idea. If those, each one of those was capable of uh, making a 1,000 watts, well, we'd need 300 million of those. Okay, that's a problem. Uh, those are cool. It'd take 860,000 860, of those. To, uh, to make the equivalent of what we make with coal today. Oh, well now, there's a possibility. Um, you know, every once in a while you read the article about, you, or I've had people come suggest, you know all those exercise machines over in the Rec Fitness Center? Now why don't we just figure out a way to tie those into our electric grid, all that wasted energy, and we could solve our problem one, one spinner at a time. Well, I haven't got this one hooked up to the grid, but I think for the sake of illustration, I've asked Andrew Busher to come up here and, um, and um, simulate making a little bit of electricity for us. Andrew uh, comes from a biking family, and he's got the, a lot of energy there, so um, we're just going to have him make energy for us for a little bit, or at least think about it. Okay. Um, another possibility I'd like you to consider is that there is a movie that will be released probably in the next week called Coal Country, a full-length feature movie uh, that discusses this uh, in detail, the complexities of this issue. It's not simply uh, a question of evil coal countries against innocent people in West Virginia. That is one dynamic that uh, gets played out. But the real hard, compelling fact is that it's you and me using coal every day and the consequences aren't just the dollars that we spend on energy. The consequences go much, much further. So, this will be uh, coming soon. Uh, Pay attention, Uh, Paul's story will put out an announcement as soon as it's available, hopefully in the next few days. Oh, oh yeah, Andrew. Say, Andrew, how you doing? I almost forgot about you. Thank you, generating electricity there. I see our companion up there got a little bit tired. So, what about this spinner solution, this exercise of maybe we can just generate this power from lots of different places? Well, a study was done a few years ago um, uh, that looked at how much, hu- how much power a human can generate. And the blue line, uh, that, well, the graph represents the time to exhaustion on the vertical axis in hours, and then along the bottom, uh, the amount of uh, power that can be produced. And this is expressed in horsepower, but it could just as easily be expressed in watts. Now, for example, a healthy human being, as plotted on the blue line, can generate about 300 watts for about 10 minutes until they're totally exhausted. Uh, Lance Armstrong, on the other hand, or a real first-class athletes, might actually be able to produce that same 300 watts indefinitely, or for up to eight hours before they would get totally exhausted. An average human being might be able to produce 225 watts for 50 minutes, but then they'd have to take a break and you can see how the, how the plot goes. In fact, it's the uh, study kind of determined that an average healthy human being can produce 260 watts of power for 30 minutes. In other words, if you applied yourself, you could light one of those light bulbs for a convo. Well, this room actually consists of 32,100 watts, and so Gilbert did a little bit more math and it, uh, calculated that what we need is 124 of these spinners hooked up to, the, uh, up to the grid, get 124 volunteers up here to pedal away, and we could light this room with our own human power. Hmm. Well, the, you know, the problem with that is 124 people might want to do that one day just to see if it'll work. Um, but, you know, the, the irony of it is that uh, Goshen College can just uh, buy electricity like we do, and that same half hour worth of light in this room costs $1.24. Now, isn't that a coincidence? hundred and twenty-four people are $1.24. Now, these people wouldn't work for nothing. They might do it the first time for nothing, but, well, let's take that dollar twenty-four and divide it evenly amongst them. So we can give them each a penny for their efforts. Well, they might do that one day, but, you know, the next day it might be a little harder to find recruits. So we'd probably have to double our wages, wouldn't we? Um, give them two cents for it. And maybe, maybe the next day we'd say, well, okay, next combo, we'll double your wages again. Okay? And then double your wages again. But you know, after a while, people would get pretty tired of it. Before long, the only people we'd have up here would be math majors, who knows where that doubling factor is going to eventually lead them. <laughs> but what would happen first is Goshen College would get an idea and say, hmm, there's got to be a better way. How about if we figure out how we can get by with half the lights? Then we would only need half the people. Or in fact, why not just do what we're doing this morning? No lights. Then we don't have to employ, well, we'd have have Andrew up here to light the exit lights, and then that would be just about enough. So you see the problem. That's the dilemma of energy. Goshen College chooses to buy electricity rather than generate our own through whatever means. Well, actually, that's not true, is it? We don't choose to buy electricity. We don't even think about it. We just do it. It is so cheap, but wait a minute, we just saw how cheap it isn't. It's cheap for us to buy, cheap energy, but there is a consequence to our cheap energy, and that was displayed in West Virginia, where they have already removed over 500 mountain tops to get to our cheap coal, and there's plans to do many, many more. And we are aware of the pollution that comes from those power plants, not here on campus, someplace else and we're aware of the effects of carbon dioxide in in the atmosphere and the heavy metals that are released when we burn coal. There are a lot of prices we're paying, but we haven't given it the thought we need. A typical, oh, Andrew, thanks, you're done. (laughs) We'll let you go. That's a typical train car full of coal. We see them go through our campus occasionally. They go through uh, delivering this stuff, there are 200,000 pounds or 100 tons of coal. That's a Gilbert number, too, but it's close enough. That is 200,000 pounds of coal. That's about two weeks of electricity at Goshen College. One coal car every two weeks. Okay, now one coal car every two weeks. Actually, if you spread it out, We had 37.8 coal cars of coal that we consumed in 2005. That's a lot of coal. However, this year, 2009, I'm pleased to report we'll only use 27.5 coal cars. That's 10 coal cars less. That's 2 million pounds less of coal that we're using now than we did four years ago. That's good, that's good. How do we do that? Well, that 28% reduction reduction in coal came about mainly because of behind the scenes work that we did in mechanical rooms, adjusting air handlers and pumps and deciding how much we really need to move air and how much we really need to move water. So we've done a lot with that. We've also gotten real active with automated scheduling using computers. So if a classroom's not being used, we don't heat it. We don't air condition it. When uh, offices are empty, we, we shut things down. So we've been able to conserve quite a bit that way. And we also have done lighting conversions, put new technology in, <coughs> excuse me, that doesn't burn as much coal as, as, as we used to. So we've made some good progress, but there's much more to do. And much more involves all of us, not just a few people back in mechanical rooms. If we're really going to be serious about reducing our coal consumption, we need to change how we think. First of all, we need to change our, uh, we, have, we have responsibilities. There are places that we can advocate for alternative energies. Um, there are many alternative energies. There isn't a silver bullet out there, but there are many things we can do. And so we should be advocating to, to that, either through uh, contacting our legislators or talking to people in the industry. Um, we should be looking for better regulations for how we mine coal cheap coal is not only cheap for us who are at this end of the, the receiving end of it it is not cheap for the people who are experiencing the direct effects from our uh, overconsumption but there are other ways we can do it too and first i think is to become just become aware of our consumption realize how much our energy we're using and the implications such as we're talking about right now and finally i think one of the most important things we need to do is figure out how to change our habits and our choices not an easy subject, not an easy thing to do, but I think, just as we 've experienced here for a half an hour, we can do a lot of things um, deliberately to cut back in our consumption of coal and that's that 's my invitation to you today. again, a reminder that uh, coal country is coming there 's much more to learn about this very complicated subject. Uh, watch for more information about when that's coming. I uh, thank you for your attention um, i 've got a job to do here. I gotta clean this mess up, but you're dismissed. Thank you. You're asking a good question, and it's a complicated one. I would say those last two points are my, are are, are starting points for it. is is become aware of our consumptions and the implications, know what you're doing, know what its its impact is, and then let's talk some more about that. That's not a a subject I'm going to answer in in three minutes on the way out the door, but after we see this video, um, we're going to have some meetings. There are ways that I would like to involve everyone on this campus. I'd love to change the culture on this campus so that we uh, are serious about reducing our coal consumption. Is that a fair answer? Yeah, yeah, There's, I mean, I'm not going to answer your question now, because it's, it, it, it takes more work than that, but I'd love to answer that question, and I'd love you to think about ways that you can live with a little less of this, and a little less of this, and a little less of that. Okay, enough for now. Thanks a lot.